Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 121. 121. 121. Número dos. Número dos. Uh, we are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hi girls, how's everything going? Um, have Hello. you guys have you guys seen Loki? Yes, I'm watching it. It's kind of cool. I have not. <laughs> no, boo. It's kind of cool that it comes out on Wednesdays because now I can watch it um, Thursday or like Friday if I come home early. Um, we did a watch party for falcon and winter soldier with people where um we did a chat at the same time as watching but like this is for the young folk because my old lady mind couldn't fa- focus on what the heck i was watching <laughs> and the thing everyone was talking about and then i'm answering a question and i'm like wait what happened uh, and it was so they're continuing to do it with this but i couldn't do it but then I'm still a member of it and they're watching it ahead of time because I don't have time sometimes and I get behind and I they're they're discussing ones I haven't seen. And so then I'm like, I can't read. I can't read spoilers. And so I don't know why I just don't leave the chat. <laughs> but um, that's not to say that, yes, uh, I am watching. Yeah, I, I'm really enjoying it. I um, am seeing a whole new side of Loki, but. The last time I was watching episode five, um, I was drinking. And so I had to <laughs> try to re no, so I was starting to drink on episode four. So I had to rewatch that yesterday. And then um, I went into five and I don't remember anything about five. So now I have to go back <laughs> and watch that. So I had uh, similar problems, but it, for me, it was just that we started watching them so late that I fell asleep. And by late, it was like 730. <laughs> So I don't mind spoilers, mostly because um, I'm going to get around to watching it sometime sooner or later. But also from like, I can't avoid spoilers online no matter what. And sometimes I'm too lazy to blacklist stuff. And I'm too lazy to blacklist everything that's Loki without like blocking some of the fan art that I actually like to follow. Oh, so yeah. I didn't bother. So I get, I have a general gist of what's going on. Uh-huh. Uh, and I like the premise. I think it's interesting. And I like So I'm watching it. I don't know very much about Loki. I just know what I've read in Thor. I know what I've seen in the movies. And I know he's the god of what is it? Mischief. Mischief. A trickster. Uh, Yes. And so I see where this storyline is going, but like in the back of my mind, I'm just like, what is he gonna do to fuck it up? (laughs) he, He kind of always does. Exactly. Like that's his um hello to the motorcycle that just drove by. <laughs> um I exactly and there's been multiple times where I've read his character or mostly in comics where like I start to get and I mean also this is kudos to good writing and to staying true to character, but I start to get emotionally involved. I'm like, oh my god. 
the brotherhood between him and Thor and Thor really wants to help him and blah, blah, blah. And the next thing you know, Loki's doing some BS where he just ruins it all. So I just feel like it's ingrained in his like genes. Exactly, exactly. No, but I'm really loving the, you know, the, um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of cosplay of the female Thor. I really love uh, the, just the, just the whole set is amazing. Of course, it's all CGI, but it's quite amazing. And just jumping through time, it's really cool. And have you seen Funko came out with Pop of the Alligator? <laughs> uh, it's a hot topic oh, exclusive i believe God. but it's so cute oh that does sound really cute i saw that and as usual it caught people's attention and it was like the hot the hot new meme for like a, for like a day oh yeah i was at uh, jeffrey's yesterday because i had to do something and uh someone came in and it's like do you have the new Al- Thor alligator um theme uh pop and we're like dude that literally just came out <laughs> on <laughs> social media like two hours ago and here you are asking so yeah and not only that it's a hot topic exclusive right what a hot yeah. topic yeah <laughs> oh kind of sad but yeah no it's pretty cool uh, again uh disney plus hitting it out of the park with a brand new show so uh, keep them coming, people, because I'm missing a lot of my regular shows. People haven't gotten back to recording episodes for other shows that I'm watching. And so I'm kind of really grateful for new material to watch and and be entertained. Yes, uh, 100% agree. Disney is hitting it out of the park. Well, when they control the most of media and entertainment, they they, the least they can do is put out good content. <laughs> exactly. All right, guys, now it's time for Chisme de la Semana. And I know, Kristen, you have some juicy chisme. Yeah, well, so speaking about Disney and having good content, that um, transitions <laughs> very smoothly into uh, what I wanted to talk about, which is the new trailer that dropped. Uh, for Marvel's What If series. And this What If series is going to be an animated Disney Plus show. And if uh, you are not familiar with the What If series of comics, it's basically a, just as it's, just as the words say, what if this happened instead of what you know has happened? And so like, for example, and I have this copy, um, which shot up in, in value over the last couple of years. What if Jane Foster became Thor? Um, mm-hmm. What Ooh, if it already happened? Yes, and that was way back in the day before it actually happened when uh, when uh, Aaron wrote that uh, run. But um, and I, that's when it started kind of I think uh, escalating in price. But um, what if uh, like Captain America never took this the super soldier serum or what if uh, Iron Man you know didn't uh, I don't know I, I know that there's real ones out there but I can't remember what they all are I see them sometimes mm-hmm. and it is a series that has I believe it's been out for a while I don't know um, how uh, how long I feel like it's I've seen old copies like I want to um, say that uh, the What If series was around the Silver Age. 
of comics around like yeah. the seventies. Yep, that's exactly what Eddie just came and showed me. Hey, <laughs> yay! Good job, Jen. <laughs> I handled enough of those comics, and I'm just that I was able to guess. But yes. Eddie's the one who taught me anyway. So, <laughs> so the latest trailer reveals um, new scenarios for the MCU. So, of course, um, this stuff isn't canon. This is all like, basically, this is Twilight Zone for the MCU. Right, basically. right. Like, that, that's how you can, um, you can uh, think about it. And so... Um, you are going to be able to start watching this series on Disney Plus in August. It's going to be um, premiering again on a Wednesday, August 11th. Um, I'm guessing maybe that means that they're going to continue continue to release new uh, uh, episodes on Wednesdays, just like they're doing with Loki right now. And this is a 10-episode series. and some cheese that some of you may not know if you've just read the uh, I'm sorry just watched the trailer what if season two has already been approved and already in the works oh wow <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of cool man yeah so this is animated I'm very interested to uh to see uh animation by Disney um with this kind of character uh driven one shots basically one shot episode um of alternate universe stories um because i don't think i've everything that is out, has been out has all been live action stuff and this is the first animated one that they're releasing so um and because of all the alternate universe stuff of course it would have been so expensive to do it live action so i I do appreciate the fact that they're doing it uh, animation style, but I'm very, very curious to see how it turns out. Yeah. And if you look at the trailer, I mean, we get, uh, we pretty much get Black Panther again. Yes. And that oh, was, that, that was yes. just really amazing. And the really... characters' um, voices are a lot of the live actors. So we get Chadwick Boseman as, as, as Panther. We get um, Helmsworth as Thor, and I'm assuming a lot of the other ones are going to be um, similar. Yeah, just uh, it's sort of like really, I wouldn't say creepy. It's just like uh, you you can get a little emotional, like like hearing him and watching him, and yeah. it's like, oh my god, we we all know that he passed. So it's just like wow, just really wow. Um, I also have some chisme. Um, it's not it's not chisme chisme. It's actually real fact. Um, so you guys all know that uh, Black Widow came out on Disney Plus. You can purchase it for twenty nine ninety nine, or you can wait to watch it for free after October sixth, twenty twenty one. Free if you already have uh, Disney, Disney Plus. Plus. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But you know what? I say keep an eye out for Redbox because it might be there too before October sixth. But that's a little bit of some Black Widow cheese, Well, some further cheese, as um, far as Black Widow goes, there was um, there's been a lot of talk about how it is shockingly good. And I don't know why shockingly is in there, but everyone I talked to have said how they were shocked at how good it was. <laughs> and uh, I guess I never really paid attention to the trailer. Um, and one customer yesterday said yeah the the trailer didn't do it justice like disney tried to portray this movie as like some kind of feel-good family show 
uh, which I didn't get because I don't really, I, I don't even remember any of the trailers. He's like, but it wasn't that at all. It was exactly what a Black Widow film should be. It was dark. It was, um, it, it, it really delved into her, her psyche and her persona of like who she is and why she is that person and why she made the choices she made and why she chose the, the life that she has. And so that um, story really interests me. I've not really been too like intrigued of wanting to watch Black Panther or Black Panther, Black Widow. Um, but that from multiple different people who've seen it um, actually does get me excited to watch it. Yeah, me too. Like maybe if they lowered it to like $15.99, I might consider like buying it. <laughs> but $29.99, I don't know. I mean, maybe if maybe it could be a drunk purchase. I don't know. <laughs> Not only that, considering that Mulan apparently wasn't worth that, like oh $40. My God. Wasn't it like $50? Yeah, it was yes. like that one was yeah. expensive. Yeah, I could like, I I couldn't even so finish watching that. So they've actually taken it down, but that means nothing if like <laughs> considering how most of the stuff hasn't been uh, like let's just say worth it. Exactly. But, I mean, yeah, I'm not quite ready to go back into the movie theaters because they're not doing social distancing anymore. Um, they're not uh, when they first first opened like every uh, every other group or of of people were would be spaced out but they're not doing that anymore and um i everyone of course is going to be in there eating and drinking and whatever so that alone would be worth it for me but um i have disney plus so i'll just wait <laughs> yeah i'll just wait as well i don't have disney plus i'm using a friend's disney plus account <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, it's now time for On My Radar. Kristen, what is on your radar? So today I have this book that I absolutely loved. Loved. When I say loved, I'm like, buy it wine, buy it dinner, and make sweet, sweet, passionate love to it in bed. <laughs> like multiple times. <laughs> it was so freaking good. I don't know if any um, listeners are familiar with the... Um, with the series Headlopper, but it's a very mm -hmm. like small indie. I, well, I think it might be image, it's, but it's a quarterly book. So it yeah, only comes out four times a, a year, but I love it so much. McKean, I think is the creator. Um, but this is not that, but it reminded me of that. And it was just very enduring in multiple ways. And it is called Barbaric. It is a book that is published by a very small publishing company called Vault Comics. Oh, and yeah. this book is about Owen, who, as the title infers, is a barbarian. And he, very early on in the book, becomes cursed by witches. And I'm just talking about issue one, because that's all I've read so far. Um, but his curse, because a barbarian does barbarian things, rapes, pillages, you know, just for the fun of it. But in the book, in this story, he is cursed by some witches. And the curse is to only do good. And you can only do good. Um, you can't, you can kill, but only if it is for the better and good of man or the community or whatever and so um and if anybody asks you for help asks him for help he cannot refuse he 
has to help. So this is his curse. And it is so funny. Um, and he has an axe that is, uh, it, that has, what do you call it? Anthropomorphized, whatever it, it, <laughs> it has feelings. And it's bloodthirsty AF. But when it, when, when Owen kills with it and it drinks the blood, it gets drunk as if he was drinking blood. I mean, drinking beer or some sort of alcohol and just starts to like say stupid stuff and like do hiccups. And it's just so freaking funny. And um, he is also Owen's moral compass. So Owen still has his barbaric thoughts and feelings and he wants to just kill everybody. But the axe is like, no, dude, like you can't. Okay. This guy, he raped. You can kill him. This guy, he murdered. You can kill him. This guy he stole <laughs> from the store. That is not killable uh, 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 not material. You cannot do that. Yes. Yeah, not a killable uh, offense. The bloodthirsty so, sword is his moral compass. Yes. <laughs> I love that. And so it is just so well written. It is so good. It's uh, the writer is Michael Morakai, which I didn't, I don't recognize that name. Uh, Nathan Gooden is the artist. Addison Duke is the colorist. Jim Campbell, the letterer, and Tim Daniel, the designer. The art is really good. I really enjoyed it as well. Um, and in the first issue, you basically meet Owen you find out about his curse and then at the end um he comes across uh, a witch who actually he hates witches because duh they cursed him but she ends up asking him for help and because of his curse he cannot refuse so that's where issue one ends I highly highly recommend it I believe we still have copies at the shop so if you're at um, if you're local to LA, Heidi Hill Comics still has copies. And um, if you are not local, contact your LCS and put it on your pool and uh, have them order all of the rest of these. And I believe it's a limited series. I don't know uh, how many are coming out, but um, I, I'm going to read every last one of them. That is super it's a cool. Series. It's probably going to be either anywhere from five to ten issues, mm -hmm. possibly twelve. So that's usually how most limited series run. Yeah. Well, I also have it on my radar, and on my radar is a book called it's a it's a graphic novel. It's called Everyone Is Tulip, and it's by Dave Baker, and the illustration is Nicole Guach. 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 Go. Go. It's G-O-U-X, <laughs> which is why I can't pronounce it. But basically, I don't know if you guys are familiar with, um, th there's this uh, media, I don't know, everybody went crazy over this girl named Poppy, who seemed like a, I don't know, like a robot or something. She was like otherworldly. Are you talking um, about real life? Yeah, in real life, her name was Poppy. Oh. And so this kind of is sort of... Um, it's sort of like this book describes what happened to Poppy, sort of. And so it's sort of like uh, it's centered around an aspiring actress, Becca, and her world win, uh, whirlwind rise to stardom. Everyone is still up is an original graphic novel that explores what it means to be a star in a generation that places more attention on the value on YouTube clips and memes than in Hollywood celebrities. So 
it's pretty pretty interesting and I really like the art the art is really nice it, it has a lot of pastel colors and it's really interesting um I think it's really haunting is what I would call it it's uh it's in it's a bit sad that uh this kind of stuff uh happens to young actresses uh, aspiring to how make a name for themselves and then go this weird YouTube route. So um, it's out now and you could order it either at your local comic book shop or you, you could even get it on Amazon. Uh, so yeah, that's what's on my radar. All right, guys, what time is it, Kristen? I forgot. I was getting ready to, to do the book review. <laughs> <laughs> Es la hora de la, la cervecita. And I've had this, I took this out of the fridge and it's been sitting here so long that there is so much condensation. Yes. Yes. So I'm not going to lie. You know, I should have done that when I like pulled this out underneath the pile of clothes that have I hidden under, but I didn't do that. And I'm going to be drinking warm beer. Like, <laughs> so I'm so grossed I, out right now. I am grossed out at this period. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to like it. I mean, it could be amazing. But this is a Candy Cane Imperial Stout. And it is brewed by Dewclaw Brewing Company from Baltimore, Maryland. And you know what? We have a new employee at Heidi Ho Comics who is from Baltimore, Maryland. And I'm going to ask him about this. So um, the name of this beer is the Pastriarchy. Get it? Get it? The Pastriarchy Candy Cane Imperial Stout. This is a 16 fluid ounce pint uh, can, and it is an 8.5 ABV. And on the side of the can, it says that the Pastriarchy is a beautifully dark Imperial Irish Stout made with ooh, Tahitian vanilla bean, mint, lactose and candy cane with a tan head i knew him and smooth <laughs> body i knew him too it's an inviting <laughs> it's as inviting as it is tasty come on in from the cold and slide into the holidays with cool notes of peppermint roasty malts and deep chocolate so i can only assume that we've had this in our um, lineup since Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, um, actually, I don't know. I just purchased this at Corpse and Caps. Okay. And because the thing, you drank and, it before? No, no, <laughs> no. Because I got it there because uh, you know how we're always doing IPAs, and you guys yes. have strongly er, uh, nudged me to get other types of beers. Yeah. Well, I think this came. This was brewed like in December, but I think because it's from Maryland, it didn't get to us oh. until now. Okay. So, um, so that's what I think happened. There. Yeah. yeah. Um, it says craft be cherished, rules be damned. Oh, anyway. So, <laughs> um, so I got it because first of all, candy cane imperial stout. What the fuck? <laughs> like, I, I want to know more. I want to know. And that's why I got it, guys, because uh, you know, we always do IPAs. Yeah. You know what my initial impression of this was? I was just like, is this going to be like a peppermint mocha? Oh, yeah. Beer? Like, I do. All right. I do like peppermint mochas. Me too. I like peppermint mochas. I do not like peppermint coffee. Like the coffee that you like, that you would like, 
like just regular coffee and then it has peppermint flavoring. There's oh. literally no difference, I think, between a peppermint mocha and peppermint coffee. <laughs> but I prefer the peppermint mocha. And specifically, I prefer Starbucks peppermint uh, mochas because I'm a basic California bitch and I like my coffee. <laughs> okay, well, um, I love all that, of Starbucks holiday drinks. They're so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I'm going to, I've been waiting to try this. I'm going to go oh, ahead and open the can. Okay, me too. I wait. Oh my God. That sounded tasty. Oh, it's very dark. Yeah, it is actually. I just spilled some all over my leg and it's very dark. <laughs> yeah, the same. I spilled some over my, my hand and I'm like, <laughs> it looks like coffee. I, yeah, I don't have I a mean, glass of water in but I will, I can still oh. see how dark it is. Wow. I like it. Oh. Oh, my servant huh. brought me a glass. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You pour it in the glass. It's like freaking motor oil. Yes. Holy cow. <laughs> you know, quite honestly, I was intrigued by the name and the description but because I have a rumble in my tummy, I was oh, not looking yeah, yeah, forward yeah. to drinking it. Yeah. But and then I thought to myself, anything, I'm probably going to take two sips and then leave it um, because my my stomach. But now that I tasted it, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm <laughs> finishing this scan. This uh, smell, I haven't tasted it yet, tasted it yet. But the smell of peppermint is very, very uh, present. And chocolate, peppermint chocolate. So 100% peppermint mocha uh comes to mind um it makes my mouth water but i'm still scared <laughs> <laughs> she literally just poured it and is I looking you, at it i want you to try it before i say anything yeah it was weird right i, I got think- sweet mm-hmm. right off the bat Right on the it's, front of my tongue. Yep. I tasted that candy cane right on the front of my tongue. I didn't expect that at all. It tastes like a peppermint mocha. Wow. But with a little bit of like alcohol. Yeah. And I'm very surprised. I am too. And I kind of, you can kind of like taste that minty, like that pepperminty. Yes. Taste. It yes. lingers. Mm-hmm. And um. um Honestly, I have a box of Thin Mints. Oh, yes. I kind of want to eat them. Yeah, I kind of want to eat them. That's my favorite movie. As I'm drinking this. I'll take the box of Thin Mints and dump it into the popcorn. No way. Eat them like that throughout the movie. (laughs) Wow. So good. This is actually very good. I gave gave it already to Eddie to drink the rest of it, but I would drink the whole can. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Like I said, uh, I was a little apprehensive, uh, but tasting it, I'm like, oh no, I'm fucking having the whole can. And it's at really good. You can hardly notice that it's such high percentage. Yeah. Because there's so much is, flavor. Mine has cooled down a little bit, so I'm almost drinking it at a little bit above room temperature. Me too. Um, but mine even even then, the flavor is so good. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. This this tastes like 
I spiked my peppermint mocha with, mm. with <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah, you're and right. This is, this is what it tastes like. It tastes like I, I like I spiked my peppermint mocha. And the can says that it's like eighth edition or some edition, some numbered edition. I that only makes me wonder if they brew this every holiday season. Yeah, this is a 14th edition. Oh, 14th. Okay. Oh my, God. my mouth is still watering. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but um, yeah, no. And I've experienced this where um, I don't know if you guys remember where where I was trying to get the glitter beer unicorn. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, from Pennsylvania. But then months and months, months later, it arrived here in California. So um, uh, the, I think the same thing happened with this Baltimore, Maryland uh, brewery where this was probably for uh, Christmas and we just got it here in yeah, California. Yeah. But I'm glad we did. And it's 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 a warm day outside, but this is really kind of refreshing. That minty, mm -hmm. minty stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love vanilla. I love mint. I love dark chocolate, I, but I, I'm not a chocolate fiend or anything like that. And this is a really yummy mixture of all of those. Mm -hmm. completely agree um so are we ready to actually rate it yes yeah, so yeah. for listeners who are um new to our hora de la cervecita we have a rating scale that is a five point scale and the uh first uh, number one is flaccid a number two is initial a three is a partial a four is a full and a Five out of five is a rigid, and if we really enjoy it, cannot get enough, and are just like so wowed, we give a beer a six out of five, which is super saiyan. So, what? Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay. Um, this is like I said, super, super surprising to me. The can art isn't really much to sneeze at at all. Um, it's just a white and, and, and red and it has candy canes in the front. Um, initially I was afraid of it because I have stomach issues. Um, and sincerely, I honestly felt I was going to take two sips and then just leave it aside. But, uh, tasting it, I was so freaking surprised and just, and like, uh, Kristen said, we have had it in front of us for a while. So it's a little above room temperature. So I can't even imagine how refreshing it tastes cold yeah um, but even with all that said i'm gonna give it a rigid a five out of five mm -hmm. so this is Kristen. i'm gonna go next i was also terrified of it um not because my tummy is yucky but because i do not drink porters and stouts generally i shy away from them i am not a coffee drinker i do not enjoy drinking coffee unless it has a crap ton of sugar in it that's why i love the peppermint mocha <laughs> um and so um i was and then for whatever reason adding candy cane to it just did not sound appealing to me at all but that first drink was a shock in a good way the sweetness i can taste the mint i can taste the candy cane peppermint i can taste the vanilla and it's all really good and i agree with sarah i'd be interested to know how it actually how it changes the composition for it to be cold um but i also am going to give it a five out of five and i think that's like some like there's a pig flying outside right now uh <laughs> because of the, that <laughs> so i mean i think we could probably look back at some older um uh episodes, episodes and find where i like some stouts and some porters and i 
I think I just um, trick myself into thinking that I still don't like them, but there's probably so many that I've already liked and rated high that I could probably get rid of that, but I still get scared. So That's uh, and there case. are still some that I just don't like, but this is not one of them. And I do give it a five out of five. Mm -hmm. So this is Jen, and I'm also going to agree with Sarah and Kristen. I'm going to give it a rigid. And I was mostly, like, I like stouts, but most of my apprehension came from that peppermint uh, stuff because I don't like, I don't like um, uh, uh, mint chip ice cream. <gasps> uh, I know. My favorite ice cream ever. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. So my sister works at an ice cream parlor. And they have, they have like this, they have <gasps> a mint chip, mint option. chip right? They have Ooh. a bougie mint chip ice cream. I'm, and I really mm. do like the ice cream now that I've gotten at her, at her job. But uh, I was telling her and my best friend because we went to go see it. And I told her, I don't like mint chip ice cream. But I know that as soon as I turn 40, there's going to, there's some contract that's going to descend from the sky and say, you <laughs> like mint chip now. And, that is, and that's just how it's going to be. Because I don't know anyone under the age of 40 who likes mint chip. I liked mint chip when I was a kid. I used to save my five cents. As, that's a lie. I never did five cents. I always did the 30 cent three scoop. Because uh -huh. thrifty ice cream was five cent, 10 cent, 15 cent, and 45 cent. And I would take my 30. Did I say 30? 45. Whatever. Whatever it costs for three <laughs> scoops. And um, I think that was the 45. And mm -hmm. I would get mint chip. I would get the, it doesn't even sound like it goes together, but I would get mint chip. I would get Rocky Road and I would get coconut pineapple. On my three. Oh, <laughs> coconut oh pineapple my was my favorite. I loved it. So Oh, so good. But mint chip was always on top because that was my favorite. And I, oh my gosh, I love 50 mint chip ice cream. I love 50 <laughs> ice cream, period. But yeah. um, I liked it as a child. <laughs> yeah, my parents, both of my parents like mint chip ice cream. And they've liked it for as long as I can remember. So they were definitely under... 40 when I was younger so yeah. there's that but they're over 40 <laughs> now so my statement still stands what is Anyways. the name of the ice cream place your your sister works for McConnell's, McConnell's okay that's what I was gonna ask you there's a McConnell's in Pasadena that I've gone to I thought it was a one-off I didn't know it was a chain but their mint chip mm. is so good they use real freaking mint leaves Wow. It is so good. Oh, there's, I gotta go. So now you know that there's a McConnell's in downtown LA. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's in it's in the Grand Central Market. Oh, uh, okay. And I, I like I think they got they were like there like not very long. I think like maybe two or three years. I'd have to ask her. But anyways, so that's kind of what I was expecting from this. I was yeah. thinking I was just like, oh my god, it's gonna be like mint chip ice cream, or it's gonna be like a watered down peppermint mocha. But no, it's like, like I said, it tastes like I spiked my own peppermint mocha. And I can see why this would be, I can see how comforting this would be if I was drinking it in the winter at like mm -hmm. Christmas and stuff like that. I think that would be like really cool. Yeah. Uh, especially the flavor and stuff like that. I definitely would not mind drinking it warm uh, during, in the winter. But right now I really wish I had drinking it cold because it's not, <laughs> it's not winter. Um, it's not winter, it's summer. It's summer, baby. And it is here to punch you in the face. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I, I I do like it a lot. I I do. If you like, if you do like uh, mint chip ice cream, or if you like peppermint mochas like I do, um, or peppermint coffee, if for those who have no taste, um, uh, <laughs> you'll you'll definitely like this. I think it's got really strong bold flavors without being too overwhelming in either side of them because you can taste the peppermint. You can taste that vanilla. That like little bit of vanilla in it as well, and you can definitely taste the chocolate and the coffeeness mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. stout. That makes it so classic. So, uh, five out of five for me. You know what I was thinking? I was thinking, what if you know how like they do uh, root beer floats? Yes, but um, instead of root beer, this beer, and instead of vanilla ice cream, mint chip ice cream. I don't know if over mint chip. I still think vanilla would be good, mm-hmm. but. Um, there are many bre- like the Red Car Brewery because it's also a restaurant used to do that as a dessert. They would do their uh, porter over a scoop of vanilla ice cream. Wow, really good. See, I thought I was being revolutionary, though, but <laughs> found out somebody else is already doing it. <laughs> All right, guys, it's time for our book review, and what are we reviewing today, ladies? So today we are reviewing De Watil by Kevin Garcia and Emmanuel Valtierra. So we actually did like an interview with them mm-hmm. back when the Kickstarter for this book originally launched. And <laughs> not to be shady or anything, but I still don't have my print copy. Uh, we're actually uh, doing the digital version uh, of the book, which I have already received. But to sum up uh, what it says inside the book, it says, Welcome to Teotihuacan, an untold epic from before the birth of the Aztec Empire. The founding of the Mexica capital Tenochtitlan has been written about time and again, but stories rarely describe the years leading up to the moment, to the momentous moment in Mexico's history. Our story presented in an over-the-top, exaggerated style is set when the Mexica were subservient to the city-state of Colhuacan. Follow, follow great warriors as they strive to honor the war god, which lead, hold on, yeah. and help their people thrive. Yeah, I gave up uh, trying to pronounce that word of the war god, <laughs> the war god's name. Uh, but yes, uh, yes, that's what we uh, are reviewing today. Um, what are your thoughts, ladies? <laughs> so <clears throat> we didn't, we, we were given like pages to read. We didn't, there wasn't a, a whole uh, issue when we interviewed them. Is that correct? I don't think uh, that we really... I don't... I don't think, I think they just uh, showed us the artwork. There wasn't okay. any, any written pages. Got it. We, didn't, okay. we never read the comic before interviewing them. So I remember when we interviewed them and they talked about it. And even when I read the Kickstarter, it sounded very interesting. So one of the things that they talked about is, you know, kids and just people in general know who Thor is and they know that he had a mighty hammer and they know who Hercules is and uh, who Zeus is and all that stuff. But why doesn't anyone know the, um, the gods of the Aztecs? And I was like, yeah, that sounds so interesting. I used to love Greek mythology and um, 
Roman mythology. Is that a thing? Yes, I think so. But um, <laughs> and also like astrology and the, yes. the stories of the gods and the sky and all that kind of stuff. I loved um the Me too. Uh, what's that what's that story? Not Jason and the Argonauts, but um where Medusa comes and the big the big one-eyed monster the Odyssey? No. The, um the Odyssey, the Ulysses. Oh, Clash of the Titans. Clash, Clash of the, the Titans. <laughs> That's a movie. The story of Perseus. The That's what I meant. Yeah, okay. I loved that as a kid. Me I think too. I actually I have the it. DVD here. Yes. Or something. A Titan took oh, yeah. a Titan. <laughs> oh, do not get me started on how mad I am about the remake that they did. Oh, like, I get that the I get that the old Clash of the Titans is old and like the like claymation, the claymation, yeah. <laughs> so like is like so. But I love that movie. I oh, love that yeah. movie so much. I think I I actually I think I saw that movie in middle school from a teacher from one of my history teachers. Interesting. And I absolutely loved it. So when I could once that I was an adult and I saw like a nice Blu-ray DVD version of it that they released, I was just like, uh, yoink, that's fine. <laughs> so that's all to say that that intrigued me because i like those kinds of stories ever since i was a kid um but when i read it i didn't i Get didn't that. feel that interesting like oh my god this is so exciting and also it really threw me off that they were talking in very much like modern um, modern yes, slang yes. modern slang and yes. it threw me off and it didn't get me into the whole like headspace that i felt like i was going to be in to read this story and also it just seemed so like basic if that makes sense <laughs> like yeah. more like than the storyline was just so basic i wanted it to be like so amazing over the top i need yeah. over the top these are gods yeah. i need over the top i need oh i need i don't know like when i first started uh the first page where um you know basically we're seeing, seeing kind of like a hieroglyphic kind of uh style of art and a narration style of storytelling and then the second page you see like the battles and then there's a lot of narration and i thought oh my god this is going to be great it's going to be like a narration and pictures and kind of a different style of comic um but then again what threw me off was um the conversations in normal normal today talk like dude, yeah very or, much modern colloquialisms were being used and i it really did not like uh in Spanish, I want to say, <laughs> no, no, how do you say, no, no, suen, no, no, how do you even say it? No, suena bien. <laughs> no, suena bien, yeah. Yes. Yeah, when, uh-huh. I, when I read but, B-U-T-T, in the very first two pages, I was like, what? What's going on? I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, did I read that right? And um, I was a little thrown off by that. The art is freaking amazing. These mm-hmm. uh, deep black shadows against, you know, colorful and wonderful, beautiful, um, I guess, warrior outfits is amazing. I really loved it. Um, 
some of these men warriors um i think it was the king he looks like a, an old mexican actor that i used to watch in movies and i was like damn did they use him as a as an example like to shape this guy's face because he looks like him the city itself looks amazing and everything just looks really really amazing um i did not get any real sense of um the, a, a character that I might um, not fall for, but a character that I might stand behind as the principal character. There's a lot of other characters that are all kind of blended in the story. Um, so uh, I really love the art and I love the narration because I think the narration gives it a big boost, but the conversations between the characters I was I was not really a fan of yeah mm -hmm. okay so um I completely understand what you guys are talking about uh when reading it honestly it's it comes across as very tropey it's very it's I mm -hmm. think it's relying a little bit too much on almost a western style of narration and storytelling and even the language itself like how do you capture how these people talked about in the past yeah that's what i was know, thinking yeah. yeah when we we don't really know yeah how it is that they talk like in the past because anything that really closely resembles it has been unfortunately wiped out due right. to colonization colonization um, right uh-huh um uh, but i completely understand because reading it i was like i was a little irritated uh at how they spoke but at the same time i was just uh, at the same time i was just like i also had to be like okay like this is their interpretation and how they think that they spoke because when you think about it uh how do how do soldiers in american military or like in any military setting talk mm -hmm. and it's usually very kind of vulgar very like very uh I wouldn't, I'm not going to say like very like hip or young, but it's usually like very, very casual and very, um, um, and very vulgar, uh, when in that setting. Um, um, so I think those are, um, uh, legit criticisms and I think they did detract a little bit from the storytelling. I, however, liked it a lot, uh, simply like the art style is really good. Uh, but I also did like the fact that it, like, how do you tell a story that one, you're kind of making up, but two, has some basis in like old texts and versions and stuff like that and not make it boring? Yeah. Uh, because uh, I'm someone who's read, I've read uh, the, like, the Tale of Gilgamesh, the Iliad, the Odyssey, the Aeneid, the, um, uh, the theories though, like I, I've read a lot of classic literature basically because I kind of had to because that was my major. Uh, and I was also kind of viewing this in that lens as well. And I'm gonna be real, the, the beginning is always boring. The beginning is always boring. <laughs> <laughs> but the, it can be boring, but so long as you have like a good solid basis of where you're going to be going and like 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 beginning ties to future like conflict and sources of interest 
you have my interest. And this is what this book did. I it managed to get my interest because uh, we only see two women in the comic and they're the princesses. One's the sister of the king and the other one is his daughter. And the sister tells the king something that we're not privy to. Uh, but it changes the king's mind about um, uh, about like basically uh, possibly killing uh, one of the warriors. And I kind of want to know what it is that she told her what like her involvement is because she's obviously going to be someone very important if she has the ear of the king. Uh, like or if her like her words have weight. But it's also a very common kind of trope that you see in a lot of fantasy series is like like kind of like a wise woman or not a wise woman but like like a, a potential like woman who has power behind the scenes kind of thing so it's like a little like a little tropey but it's a trope that i'm not i like i don't that i'm not annoyed by it's one that i actually kind of like so i i like i, I took that in stride I think if you don't have a very heavy basis of knowledge in kind of like tropes and like fantasy and maybe like ballads and stuff like that, it uh, the book can kind of can one come across off as like a little bit, a little bit boring, but a little bit like, um, um, how do I say this? Not, um, we know they did like, a good amount of research mm -hmm. but it certainly feels like they took that they're like imposing a western view on these tales but i don't think that's it i think they're like coming from a beginning where they are working off of what they know and slowly building up into like a new kind of um uh, latinx future like latinx based fantasy uh that I think we all wanted, but I think we, I think all three of us wanted that from the get go. We yeah, wanted something. Right. We wanted something that was so like out there, something that was so like, like heavily based on um, uh, the Mexica gods and and stuff like that. But we kind of really didn't get that from the book. But I, <laughs> I still very much enjoyed it for what it was, and it was the beginning. Uh, like I'm I'm basically seeing this as like not even act one. This is like act one, part one, subset one of <laughs> this tale that they're going to be telling. <laughs> yeah, and it looks like Istayo is gonna be like the person of interest that we're gonna look at in this book that is gonna be the warrior that takes the Aztecs to Tenochtitlan. So mm -hmm. Yeah, like, like you're right, Jen. Um, we don't know what they talk like, and you're absolutely right. Like, I did not take that under consideration at all. But, um, having analyzed what you've said, I I believe that I would like to read more about this and read more about uh, coming up to settling in at the Nochtitlan. Um, because mm -hmm. basically, in the story, we see that they the Aztec people are basically like serving another uh kingdom which is como se llama um it starts with the c Coyoacan. yes so um i'm definitely you know what you're right i mean i was a little bit disappointed at the dialogue <laughs> but just you talking about it and me kind of re remembering what i read you're absolutely right um this would be like it's a slow start but it's a start definitely and the art is there and and the narration is there 
um, yeah, definitely. I would definitely want to read the following uh, issues. I'm not sure if this is uh, going to be a short run, but um, it looks. The I think art, it was five. Yeah, the art is outstanding. It's just yeah, the art's uh, really good. Freaking amazing. Emmanuel's style is like really good. It reminds me of um, um uh, who um, Kitsal. Uh, it's oh, uh -huh. art yes yeah, yeah. Art. yes like definitely their their art style again is one that i really like mm -hmm. um, um but it's it's very definitely very heavily based on the hieroglyphic style uh that we know for like not only just like the the aztec or the mexica um uh, temples but also like mayan and like toltec and incan uh styles as well yeah, yeah, definitely. Having said that, and this is why I think this is why we we have this podcast, because we want to invite all different types of, of, you know, like, we could all read a book and say, Oh, yeah, it's great or whatever. But like, if you can talk to another person who read the same book, and maybe saw it completely different from what you saw, and maybe even unearth things that you thought you saw, and kind of you know emphasize more on those things so yeah no definitely thank you so much for that input because that really <laughs> turns the perspective of how i read this um yeah. and and i believe uh the writer he is actually a teacher yes so mm -hmm. um so i can see how that also jumped into the story as well so um did we want to say anything else about it are we ready to rate it i think um, we're ready yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, definitely. What is our <laughs> oh, rating? Forgive my dad calling the cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is our rating scale, um, Kristen? Oh, yes. So back in the day, we were deciding how are we going to rate the books that we review? And because we're all little chubby Latinas, we said, Pan Dulce! And our favorite uh, Pandusa all varied, but we could all agree upon the fact that the Concha was a widely recognized symbol of Latinx culture. So um, Jen happened to mention that three was the most Conchas that she could ever, her mom would ever allow her to eat. So that was like the holy grail, three Conchas. So we rate <laughs> our review, or, I'm sorry, we review and rate our books on a three Concha scale um and uh if we think the book ex uh uh goes above that then sometimes we give it um a even better review and those vary so you'll have to you'll have to wait and listen to find out <laughs> <laughs> so i'm actually ready to rate it this is sarah and i'm gonna rate this first issue um 2.5 conchas and the reason is because um Initially, uh, like you guys heard, I was a little bit turned off from the uh, the speech bubbles and how they interacted amongst each other. Uh, but then talking to Jen and realizing that all of this stuff is pretty much lost because of colonization, um, then seeing it on that light, I am going to give it two and a half conchas and I can't wait to read the rest of it because this art is freaking phenomenal. The coloring, I know it's done by somebody else and you knocked it out of the park. It looks really amazing amazing uh, <laughs> I can't say enough about the art I love the art like I want to go right now and copy this style of art <laughs> uh, Inktober <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> definitely I'm ready for it all right so I'll go next this is Kristen 
And I knew that this kind of book would be right up Jen's alley and that she would probably find all kinds of things in it that she loved. And I had to just come to the realization um, and and, uh, accept the fact that I'm not educated enough to enjoy this. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's a matter of education. I think it's more of a matter. I just don't think you really like heavy, like kind of fantasy tropes. No, that is not my Mm -hmm. thing at all. Mm -hmm. I've tried multiple times to get into fantasy stuff. I can't even finish Lord of the Rings. (laughs) <laughs> um, but, but I love Clash of the Titans. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm an enigma, but, um, I definitely did not enjoy it. I was really excited about it because the creators were really excited and the way they explained it. And I really do think that their goal was important and that this, this history, which is our history is important. Uh, and of course, yes, I, I also took that into consideration as like, we don't know how, um, how they spoke, but I know they didn't say, but, (laughs) 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 but, um, the, the, the scene with the woman also intrigued me. Um, it made me, um, look forward to, um, how these women were going to affect change within this community. And that really interested me. And so for that reason, I definitely would also like to see where the story went. But for just issue one, yes, the art was amazing. And I really liked it. But the 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 way that I felt afterwards, and and, and uh, my enjoyment level was was a 1.5, I would say. <laughs> And I'm sticking to that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm going to be honest with you. You are both a lot kinder than I thought you were going to be because my rating for this is going to be one concha, even though I really liked it. But just like from my own perspective uh, and what I think the, the future of the comic has in, has in promised, I think this is a good solid start, but like you're not, you're not worth the three conchas yet. You, you're just, just one. You did good. You did. You you did all right. <laughs> so, like I said, I'm I'm honestly I was honestly thinking that you guys were gonna give it like one or like half or like even not even a, a crumb. I'm just <laughs> a crumb, a crumb of concha. And I'm and I'm giving it one as a kind of like as a like it's good. Like it, like I I enjoyed it. I liked it. But if if you're looking for like that heavy story, that kind of Clash of the Titans feel, it's not there yet. I would, I don't think we are going to see it till maybe like issue two, issue three, mm-hmm. possibly like issue four. I don't remember how long they said that this issue, that this one's going to be. Um, uh, and if they said five, I don't think it's five any longer. I'm, I know for a fact that some stories can get out of hand. They're too big to tell. Mm-hmm. And I don't think five issues is, is uh, enough to tell the story that they're trying yeah. to tell. So... I'm definitely expecting more is basically what I'm saying, but I did enjoy it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think I can emphasize much, like, uh, how much, like I did enjoy it as someone who likes kind of like myths and grand tellings. Like this isn't, this isn't, um, um, how do, how do I compare it? This isn't Zeus versus the Zeus and the Olympians versus the Titanocomy. Uh, story that you want to hear. This is Romulus and Remus founding Rome kind of story mm-hmm. that we get in the beginning. So it's not 
It's not like anything heavily exciting, but it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, is what I'm trying to say. So one concha. I'm gonna give it one concha and must stick by that. And again, which is less than what the both of you gave it, <laughs> considering <laughs> I that I liked it more. All right, guys, now it's time for En La Libreria. Jen, what do you have for us today? Well, today I have something that I'm very excited about, actually, because uh, I definitely already backed it, and I was just like, yes, sign me up. It is Dining with the Dead, a Day of the Dead cookbook. It's a cookbook Ooh. by Mariano Nuno Ruiz and Ian McEnroe that celebrates the Day de Muertos, the um, uh, holiday in traditional Mexican cuisine. That's so, awesome. Their Kickstarter goal was $20,000, but as of the recording of this episode, it's at $24,309. Oh, cool. With 409 backers and four days to go. But, like, uh, it, like, it was, a Kickstarter has finally realized what it is that I'm interested in, and this was, like, right smack dab in the middle. Uh, and, like, the, the cover for the book, it looks absolutely stunning it's like it's a very it's a very kind of like um, um it's a very like kind of sky bluish uh with a sugar skull and in red lettering dining with the dead and uh the the little synopsis that they give us uh about the book is that this cookbook was five years in the making it started with a great idea and a dream and it had been a long process to get it just right the book was at the printer when covid pandemic hit and everything was stopped in its tracks so now all it needs to do is get uh printed so they already this was supposed to be released earlier this kickstarter was supposed to be released earlier but they just weren't able to because of covid um and actually, Mariano Ruiz, uh, Mariana Nuno Ruiz McEnroe and I McEnroe, they're um, uh, the creators, uh, actually have a cooking blog called Yes More Please. And they live in Austin, Texas. And they teamed up with Erin Downey from Rio Nuevo Publishers to get the book started. And you, like the pictures that they have on here, are absolutely beautiful and stunning. And they give like a brief synopsis about what the the Dia de Muertos is. Because if it's if you're Spanish, it's Dia de Muerto. Like exactly. Not Dia de los Muertos. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the Dia de Muertos. So the cookbook has more than 112 recipes. It has 540 uh, photos in it. It is going to be an eight by ten uh, hardcover book. And it has sections about ingredients and how to find them and treat them. So you can eat, like, you, if you, like, live, like, in a Mexican uh, area, like, like, a very highly Mexican area, you can probably get these at a supermarket. But if you don't, there is, like, uh, like sections about how to get them and how to, like, cook them. Because not everybody knows how to, like, how to, like, cook chile guajillo. Or stuff like that you're right. like how, do, how the hell do i do this uh like i know how but there's other people that don't know there's numbered yeah. instructions there's photographic step-by-step instructions Ooh, wow. there's highlights of homemade foods created from scratch crafting instructions as well for like the for like some of the like props that they have 
mm -hmm. uh, in the pictures as well. Yeah, you learn about the origins of the Dia de Muertos, you learn about altars and ofrendas, and you venture into the night vigil of the cemetery in Mexico. So they have like photos and stuff like that. And it just, it looks absolutely stunning. And the food looks really, really good. Like it looks, it looks really, really good. Honestly, what really hugs me is that they have a recipe for pozole, which is an enigma to me. Like it's like, <laughs> we just, because like I'm, I'm Guatemalan American, um, does not know how to make pozole, and none of us know how to make pozole. It's like a mystery food. We enjoy it a lot, but we <laughs> yeah. just like we just don't know how to make it. So I've always wanted to learn how to make it, but it's like every Mexican family has their own way of making it, and they guard that secret like tight. Like I, I like, know, I, I know, I, I am like two favors away from from cracking the recipe out of my best friend's mom like i like i like i like i don't know what i gotta do then like it's up to her when she decides like i've done enough so that she can give me the recipe because she's not even giving my best friend the recipe because my best friend can't cook and she's just oh, like her mom shit. said nah <laughs> i'm not giving her you. <laughs> no dude <laughs> so oh my god you know what is it to me that's it that's it that's <laughs> the one i know i'm fat. like that's that's i know that's my family that's like that's it they've adopted me They've given no. me their pozole recipe. How, what the fuck am I supposed to do now? <laughs> you, what I hate is when you're like, oh my God, this is wonderful. How do I make it? And they're like, oh, it's easy. And then, and then, and that's all they say. They don't give you the recipe. They're like, no, it's they easy. Oh, and it's I'm easy. Like, what the and fuck? silence. Yes. Sil like silence. And you look at them and you're like, and they're like, like you got your pen in your hand and the little notebook and they just, <laughs> they just look at you like, it's easy. That's Not it. Funny. No. And I, I know this. I have been establishing this relationship since high school just so that I can crack her pozole recipe. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh uh, my my nephew's grandmother on her his mother's side makes this amazing white pozole. Mm. Oh my God. People who have eaten it have called me, text me, and they're like, has she given you the recipe yet? And I go, no, she just keeps saying, it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking yeah. at the pictures here on the Kickstarter and everything looks so good. And mm -hmm. the rewards are so cute and cool. Um, there's like bookmarks and bandanas and screensavers for your phone, stickers. And yeah, the art is super cute, but I want this book too. I I, I want it too. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. I feel like I could give it to my aunt and she could make all these dishes and then call me and say, Hey, you want to come by to get some food? I'll be like, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know, want it, you're gonna buy it to give to someone else. To yeah, cook. to cook. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what my best friend did. She found a Legend of Zelda cookbook. And she's just like, Hey, look. And I was just like, say no more. And I bought the book and I've been over to her house to cook to cook because she can't cook oh but only that technique works it does work okay so um uh the base pledge you can of course donate without like uh just to donate uh at any pro at any point like anything like any donations but the pledge where you get an actual reward starts at 35 dollars, and you get the first edition of dining with the dead um um Plus, like, uh, thank you on their website and free U.S. shipping. You don't have to pay for shipping. Ooh, that, ooh, that, ooh, I love it already. Like, that's that's that is enough. That's big. To get me 
to get me hooked. And they're actually estimating on having the book out and published by October 2021. At $50, you can get a signed edition of the book, plus all the other benefits. At $75, you get a gift set. You get the signed book, a bandana, and a bookmark. <clears throat> and, um, uh, and all the previous awards. And then the next one is a pledge of eighty-five dollars, uh, and you get the all the other rewards uh, plus a photo print option. Uh, and this is photo print option A. Uh, I don't know what that means. I think oh, it says plus a one by ten inch photo archival print welcoming the souls. Titsan Swan Chokan signed and numbered. Oh, okay, so the photos that they took for the book, you get the actual photo that they used. Um, uh, what are the photos that they used signed and printed um, uh, for you and then they have other other of the same options as well and then it just keeps increasing with there but you can get the book in hardcover at $35 which is about average for a cookbook I say as someone who has bought a lot of cookbooks <laughs> and there's a retailer level too there six, is a retailer six level. books for $189 that's pretty good mm -hmm. so uh Dining with the Dead on Kickstarter. If you've ever wanted to know a little bit more about Dia de Muertos or Day of the Dead, or you wanted, or you you like Mexican food and you've always wondered how to make it, uh, and some of the other Mexican recipes were just not enough, this is also a really good option because those uh, step by step photo instructions look really really handy. Mm -hmm. Because I saw like I I'm gonna be real here. I don't know how to make circular tortillas. Mine always come out the same. Time. It's like that like, episode of uh, Shit's Creek. Fold in the cheese. Have you guys ever seen that one? <laughs> no. And they're like, what the hell does fold the cheese mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, uh, like, I like, I can't do it. Like, my mom does it easily. My godmother does it easily. Like, my cousins in Guatemala do it easily. And I'm like, over here, like, how? I don't, my I don't understand. It was like her hands were like they glowed as it happened. Like just like this orb just came and circled her <laughs> hands. And and I would watch her do it and I would mimic what she did. And mine were square every single time with rounded edges, rounded corners, <laughs> square with rounded corners. Oh, blonde. <laughs> In the words of uh, my mother and other people that I know, that's some real mujer shit. And I can't do it. <laughs> All right, guys, now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what is on our Juntos y Fuertes today? So today, uh, just a reminder, Juntos y Fuertes is our segment where we um, support other endeavors, other creators, other retail businesses, uh, other nonprofits that um, support uh, and or are run by um, members of marginalized groups. And today we have talked here and there about Period Podcast Network um, and kind of shouted out the Patreon uh, at the end of our past episodes. But today we're going to talk about actually what are some of the things that you can get. So if you go to patreon.com slash period podcast network, you can support a podcast network that says right here, creating a feminist podcast network. And so we are a podcast network that is content created by women 
for everyone. And you can select a membership level and your money will go towards production costs, um, running the um, studio, um, helping to pay the uh, production people behind the scenes. <clears throat> and the first level is a mere $5. And for $5, you'll get a monthly zine. Uh, and it, you'll be subscribed to the newsletter. It contains a roundup of what we've been making on the network, as well as contributions from the hosts. And some of the past ones are um, uh, both Sarah and Jen have contributed some um, personal creative art stuff, whether it's a poem or um, an actual uh picture that Sarah you did that you drew right you did something um, like that. watercolors watercolors yeah. yeah um and then um I think also I during women's history month I um put together a list of women who were like you should know uh in the comic book industry and the history of comic books um for ten dollars a month you will receive a bonus episode this will be a full episode released on a private RSS feed for $10 a month, and it will contain bonus content from all of the shows. So if you are a fan of Commodity Comics and you give $10 a month to this Patreon, you will once a month get a bonus episode that has bonus content for all of the shows. So you might find another show that you really enjoy. And then for $20 a month, there will be a Zoom hangout. So um, it will be um, a place where you can ask questions about podcasting, about personal skills, or maybe even personalize. I'll give you all the fucking cheese, man. Um, there is, um, let's see, it says, here's the filler one of our producers typed in here. Oh, that was, I'm like, what is that bonus? Uh, <laughs> says you are the queen witch who is committed to doing the most to help us take down the patriarchy and build something different something kinder while we don't have specifics of this tier lockdown yet we are working with all of our period podcast network shows to hone in this package what we know for sure is that you will have access to some lovely bonus content from our shows please feel free to reach out and message us if you would um like us to know the kinds of things a stunning little moth like yourself would like to see in the perks and benefits. So if you're thinking about doing $20 a month and you have some ideas of what the Zoom Hangout um, would be something that you would like to do and ideas of what you'd like to see, you can always contact us. So um, right now, this is so brand new and we have some patrons that I didn't even know. So that's really cool. Uh, and then there's a little blurb about Period Podcast Network. Period is for everyone. Um, period is, um, like I said, uh, by women for everyone. And there's a whole bunch of uh, information here about our network. And so Commodity Comics has been part of it for, gosh, like three years, am I going to yes, say? Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and we, I have, I listened to Comedy Girl Crush this month, uh, this week. I've listened to um, Elaine's Cooking Elaine's, for the Soul. Yeah. And so I'm on my I'm on my way to trying to listen to some of the other ones, but um, I really enjoy them. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to um, finding out what some of the other cool stuff is that we have on our network. So check it out. Patreon.com slash 
period podcast network you'll not only be supporting our lovely podcast but you'll be supporting other uh women-led podcasts all right guys now it's time for saludos Kristen. what do you have for us today so today, I feel like we we give saludos to these people all the time, but it's because they're so freaking amazing, um, and they're always doing amazing things. And so I'm giving saludos this week to Fan Base Press, celebrating fandoms and creating new ones. And how are they doing that this week? Well, they are launching a 2021 Celebrating Fandoms Week, an entire week where they are basically doing a little virtual like convention. Um, so it's going to be um, uh, a place where there's going to be like uh, panels and cool stuff. It's all virtual um, and it's sponsored by Blue Fox Comics and um, they're offering free star studded panels each day between Monday, July 12th and Friday, July 16th. So that's just this upcoming week and there's going to be everything from the alien franchise and batman versus versus predator to graphic medicine and the repercussions of disinformation as well as a new project announcement from fanbase press co-founders byra and bryant dylan there'll be featured panelists um, that include dave gibbons who uh, from watchmen and batman versus predator fame philip kennedy johnson uh, marvel's uh, alien book Barbara Randall Kessel, Alien 3, Watchmen, and a lot more. So throughout the virtual event, all panels and announcements will be available via Fanbase Press's official YouTube channel. And as always, all of the comics, graphic novels, and other geeky merchandise that they produce will be available for sale through their online store. Um, they also have stuff up on Comixology, Comics Plus, and Hoopla. And um, there are some panel announcements already. Batman versus Predator, a 30th anniversary retrospective, the continuing evolution of the Alien franchise, storytelling in the age of disinformation, Fanbase Press's new project announcement that's coming July 15th. So I'm excited to hear what they have in the works because they have so many cool things that they do. Um, and then building empathy through storytelling, graphic medicine. Um, and Dr. Teresa Rojas, um, Professor Rojas uh, is um, the person at Modesto Junior College that runs the uh, and founded the Latinx Comic Arts Festival. So lots of really cool stuff. Uh, I am really excited to see what they um, are going to have. The panels are all uh, free and you can check it out at fanbasepress.com to get the links to all of the things that I talked about today. That is so cool. And like you said, they, they're always um, being mentioned here on the podcast because they are amazing and they do a lot of amazing things. And they're doing this with twins. Yeah. Uh, well, they're not newborn twins. They're several months old now. But uh, yeah, I don't know if you can imagine having twins and then making all this happen. So I'm just like, wow, I'm in awe of them. So I have no children. Out to them. They're several months old, but that doesn't make him any less loud. <laughs> so, yes, uh, thank you so much for that. And uh, that actually brings us to the end of this episode. Um, and like we have said before, uh, you can find us at Comadres y Comics 
com because we have a website guys Hooray! Yay! Please go visit it. It's a very nice <laughs> website, actually. It yes, and just pictures of us. It does. Mm -hmm. um, also, what... pandemic pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, also, just to reiterate, the winner of our last drawing is Enrique Rea, and you can email us at commodicycomics at gmail.com to claim your prize. Um, this has been episode 121. We have been your host. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.